Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford and his weekly television broadcast, Youth on the March. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another Youth on the March program coming to you coast to coast. And we're certainly glad to be here in Chicago. And Percy Crawford, a hearty welcome to you. From 5,000 young people gathered here in the Mooney Memorial Church of Chicago. Well, thank you. We consider you a great pioneer in this cause of preaching Christ in crucified. Paul went, but Christ was never preached. You were the first of the modern men to reach youth for Christ. You were the first on the radio to reach people for Christ. You are the first on television. And here in Chicago, you've got a host of friends all around that are praying, giving, and working to keep you on television till Jesus Christ comes again. God bless you, friends. Thank you, Tori Johnson. talk to you from a passage of scripture found over in the gospel of St. Luke, the 19th chapter, the 42nd verse. And now they are hid from thine eyes. Now they are hid from thine eyes. If I fail tonight to convince you and talk to you about this most important thing, it won't be because I haven't prayed. Now, Jesus said, now these things are hid from thine eyes. He had spoken to them about the fact that they needed to know how to go to heaven. He had said, ye will not come to me that you might have life. He had told them that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And now he turned and made his pronunciamento to them and said, now these things are hid from thine eyes. And I want to talk to you there by your television set just for a few moments. Jesus said, these things are hid from thine eyes. If I were to go into your home and ask you, did you believe the Bible? You'd say yes. If I were to ask you if you were a sinner, you'd say yes. If I were to ask you if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, you'd say yes. And my friend, that is enough to send you to hell. There's something more important than just knowing about the Son of God. And Jesus knew that. These people knew all of these things. And he said, these things are hid from thine eyes. There are a lot of people lose their souls because they're not willing to pay the price and take their stand for Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a freshman at the University of California, we used to study our testaments on the porch of the YMCA building. And some of these collegiate boys would walk by and sneer and laugh and say, look at the boys holding their, uh, holding their Sunday school class. Or look at the good little Sunday school boys. And we'd feel like hopping over the rail and poking some of them on the, on the jaw. They didn't have enough backbone themselves to stand for Jesus Christ in the Bible. And it's cases like that that God sometimes says, these things are hid from thine eyes. Man should never trifle with the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God begins to speak to a person's soul, that's the time to listen and to heed to God's calling. For God speaks to a person. I received a while back a letter from a 24-year-old young fellow, and he said that somehow or other I've lost my religious desire. He said, I once professed to be a Christian, but sin came into my life. And he said, since that time, I have lost my religious desire. What would you advise me to do? And my friend, once God leaves you, once you lose your religious desire, once you become a, a hate, hating the word of God and the sacred things of God, your doom is sealed. Once the spirit of God leaves you, your hope is gone. And that's why Jesus said to these disciples, he said to them, in front of them, he said to those people who gathered around there, you've heard the story, I've pled with you, I've preached to you about your sin. And now he said the pronunciamento from God above is, these things are hid. <clears throat> you can't even be saved. You can try hard, you can do the best you can, that's not enough. These things are hid from thine eyes. And the time comes when God speaks to a person of their sin. 
the time comes when God holds the sin before a person and shows them that before God, before God, your life and my life is not fit for heaven. And that's how God begins to work and convict and bring you to the place of repentance that you might trust him. And in the light of Calvary, you know, I used to hear that scripture. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And I said, I couldn't say that. I was like Mr. Smith here. I, I did the best I could. I belonged to church. I was raised in a good Christian family. But before God, one day he showed me in the light of Calvary that my life, even though I wasn't low down in sin, my life before the cross, in the face of the cross, was sin-stained and black and deserving of hell. And my friend, that's when God saved you. And I wonder about you there by your television set now. Do you know that? Has God ever lifted the cap off your heart and shown you your sin as he sees it? That your life is black before him? Then, my friend, I've got good news for you. That 1,900 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty, a good man for, for a person that was no good, a righteous man for an unrighteous one. And he laid down his life that you might have a hope beyond the grave and a savior. And when the Spirit of God shows you that, then the thing is to respond. When you have a desire down in your heart for better things, that's of God. When you have a desire to listen to the word of God and hear these songs of Zion, that's of God. And tonight, there's no doubt about it, God has caused you to look in, that you might hear the story of salvation and know that Christ died for you. Respond then. Let him have his way. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. I remember R.A. Torrey in Los Angeles was my pastor shortly after I, was, I became a Christian. He just came back from holding meetings in the East, and he said to us, I just finished some meetings, a three-week campaign. He said, I, I uh, taught the scriptures the first week, and the second week I began preaching the gospel and giving an invitation, and one night he said, at the close of the service, I asked how many would like to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, and a young lady down the aisle stood up and was about to come forward, and just then the young man, her friend, reached over and put his hand on her and said, wait, wait a few nights and maybe I'll go with you. She sat down. The meetings went on, he said. And next week, the middle of the next week, two young women at the close of the service came up to him and said, Dr. Torrey, will you come with us? A young woman's dying. He grabbed his Bible and his hat, rushed out into a car, across the city, into a home, up into a room. And there in the room, he found this young woman dying. He read to her from the scriptures. And she cried out, I put it off too late. I put it off too late. He said, you didn't. He read to her the story of the thief on the cross, how he was dying and called on the Lord Jesus. And throughout his entire reading, as he was telling her the story of Calvary, she cried and screamed, I put it off too late. I put it off too late. And she died. Somebody held her back. Somebody prevented her from coming to the Son of God. She didn't respond to God's invitation when she had the opportunity. I'm my friend tonight. You there by your television set. God has brought you to this place tonight where you know that before God your life is not perfect. You know that Jesus died on the cross. Have you got the courage and backbone to come out tonight and say, God helping me cost what it may? I'll pin my faith in Jesus Christ and I won't let friends or circumstances or money or position or social standing or anything hold me back from pinning my faith in Jesus Christ. Will you say that tonight? Here are 5,000 over, five, over four or five, 5,000 people here tonight in Chicago. They're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. They're glad they've received him and these young people. We are too. We've never had such a wonderful time in our lives since we've pinned our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. People have disappointed us, but he never has. Will you pin your faith in him now? Will you receive him right now? I hope you will. We now continue with the second sermon. Thank you. May I have your attention here now just for a few moments? I want to talk to you about, just for a few minutes, uh, something very important. 
something that has to do with uh, examination, examining ourselves. You know, uh, those of us at school, we don't appreciate examination time, but we have to have it, you know. And that's why God tells us we should uh, face an examination time uh, once in a while in our lives. Well, I heard of a young fellow who was at college a while back. His dad sent him. His dad had the money and sent him to school. And, but he was more interested in athletics and other things, you know, activities and lit societies and uh, girls and so on. And he, he didn't do so well in his subject. And when it came examination time, he, he flunked out. So he sent a telegram back to his brother at home. And it, it read like this. Flunked all exams. Prepare father. And he got a telegram back from his brother and it said, Father prepared. Prepare sound. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes it works out that way. But God tells us here in 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 5th verse, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. That's what I want to talk to you about. You should examine yourself. Now, it's easy to examine other people and things and churches and criticize them and run them down. And, you know, there are not many of us perfect people left. <clears throat> you asked my wife about that. There aren't many perfect people, I should say. Aren't many perfect people. And it's easy to criticize and, you know, pick on that weak sister and say, oh, that hypocrite and all that, you know, you know, like you do. But God says we should examine ourselves. Yourself. Never mind the other fellow. Yourself. After all, every one of us, God says, is going to give an account of himself to God what I want you to do tonight. First of all, you should examine yourself regarding sin. How do you stack up? How short of the mark have you come? What is your life as God opens up your life and uh, like a book before him, how does he see you? That's what he's talking about. You know, some folks when they read the Bible say, well, that's all right for Ms. Brown, Ms. Blue, Ms. Black, you know, pass it on. Oh, no, you examine yourself. And it's hard these days to get people to do that, to get them to think and concentrate on themselves. A father once was dying. And he had a wild son, and he said, Son, when I'm gone, I'm just going to ask one thing of you. When I'm gone, you come in this room right here and sit for ten minutes and think every day. Think. He was a godly man, this father. You come in, son, and think. And the boy promised. And he came in after the father's burial, and he came in and sat in the room. Ten minutes? No, five minutes. And he was down on his knees, and he cried, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He wanted his father's God. He wanted his father's Savior. I want you to think tonight. Examine yourself, not the other fellow. Examine yourself. The Bible says that. Examine yourself. Whether ye be in the faith to see before God how black and how vile and how sin-stained and how awful your life is. A preacher was going through on a tour, and he came to a, a hotel. And there was a maid there working around the hotel. And before he left, he gave her a prayer. And he said to her, I want you to say this prayer every day, morning and night, when I'm gone. I'll come back and see you. And the prayer was this, Lord, show me myself. Lord, show me myself. And the preacher left. Weeks later, he returned and he found this poor little young lady in anguish, suffering, agony, crying out, Oh, I'm so glad she said to see you. I've been praying this prayer and I've been in such misery seeing myself as I am. I have another prayer for you. He said, now go up to your room and pray this prayer. Lord, show me thyself. Lord, show me thyself. And she found what she was seeking rest for her soul. My friend, when you reach the place where you're desperate and know that your life is black and sin-stained before a holy God, then you see him. 
See that 1,900 years ago, Jesus died the good for the bad, the righteous for the unrighteous, laid down his life, shed his blood, went through the horrible agony of Calvary. You might have hope that you might have life, that you might live after this death and go through this life with joy in your heart. What are you talking about? Then examine yourself whether the Spirit of God lives in your heart. The Bible says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Now, that doesn't mean gushing and mushy and, and a yes man. No, no, not a flimsy, spineless, backboneless person, if there ever is such a word. No, 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 no. But a person with a little punch, a little backbone to stand up before the godless bunch and say, sure, I'm a Christian. What are you going to do about it? What we need? That's your trouble. When the Spirit of God comes in you, when you receive Jesus, you have new life, new power, new strength, new courage, new desire to live a life for God. What are you talking about? If any man have not the, or woman have not the Spirit of Christ, don't even belong to God. You can join every church in the land, and I believe in belonging to a church. You can go through life doing the best you can, try hard and give to the poor, and you can do all of these good things. The lost can go to hell. Unless you've said yes to him and have the Spirit of God come in your life. One more thing. He said, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith, whether your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, the, the disciples went out and they performed a lot of miracles. Oh, everything's going grand. They said, say, we're great stuff. It's wonderful. Oh, they were happy. Oh, this is great. Jesus looked at them. He said, don't rejoice over the miracles. Rejoice, he said, that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Boy, that's something. You know, the only person who's right tonight to be happy is a Christian. Now, all you folks out around there chasing around, trying to hoop it up, you know, and steam it up inside, go ahead, and swilling around, and I'm um, like a sow. Go ahead, go on. Go ahead. You'll have no rest. But when you know that Christ has written your name there in the Lamb's Book of Life because you as a vile sinner, he purchased your redemption. You've got something to live for. <laughs> You're happy. Real joy. As we said in this program, Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. How about you? Will you examine yourself tonight? Look right down in your heart. Will you pray that prayer tonight when you get on your knees by your bedside? Lord, show me myself. And then about one, two, three o'clock in the morning when God has made you so miserable, get up and pray this prayer. Lord, show me thyself. you bless you and save you. I hope you will. And uh, now our four sons, Don, Dick, Dan, and Dean, they're going to sing, I Want to Be Ready, and their mommy's over here at the piano again. All right, boys? I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready to walk in Jerusalem just like John. Jerry! 
Wait there just a moment by your television set. I was reading the other day in my New Testament, in the book of Revelation, the third chapter, the second verse, and I saw three words. I want to leave them with you. Three words, and there were these. Ready to die. Ready to die. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Ready to die. I noticed that. And I thought tonight I'd just talk to you about those three words. Ready to die. I wonder tonight, are you ready to die? I talked to a man a while back about being ready to die. He said, I just don't like to think about death. But I said, you're still going to die. We should think about death. We should be ready for death. The Bible says it's a time to laugh, a time to cry, and a time to die. And that time's coming for each one of us. Someday, you're going to die. Someday, they'll call for you and take you away in a box if the Lord tarries. That's true. And for me. Now, the important thing is, uh, are we headed for heaven? Do we know where we're bound? That's the thing of, of important. Death's all around us. The other night going on up to New York, I saw a man who'd been thrown from his car in an accident and he lay there on the side of the road and the death wagon came along and they lifted that man up. We saw them throw his body in and it bounced like so much beef from the bottom of the wagon. The people don't care much about you once you're dead. When you're alive, of course, you're valuable. But when you're dead, uh, things are over. Now, my friend, death is all around us. Uh, aeroplanes are cracking up. Uh, Accidents are happening right and left. People are dying in their sleep. Men's hearts are failing them. And you and I, we should look at life in the light of the ultimate, that which is sure to come, which is death. That's what I want to talk to you about. Ready to die. Ready to die. It pays to know. For God says, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You won't be here too long. The years slip by faster than we realize. And the years are slipping by for you and slipping by for me. And we should look ahead and plan for that. I read a while back of a king who went forth in his kingdom to find the biggest fool. He wanted the best fool he could find for his court. And they searched and searched and finally found a man and brought him to the court. Here's the greatest fool in our kingdom. And so he questioned him for a while and then the clown asked him something. He said, have you thought about eternity? Have you thought where you're going after this life? And the king said, I haven't given it any thought. I've lived for just today. He said, here you take the wand back the symbol of the clown. You take the wand back. You're the biggest fool. When a person forgets to think about eternity, they've missed the biggest thing in life. And that's what God tells us to do. He says this, he that being often reproved and hardened his neck shall suddenly be cut off. And I believe the time comes in a person's life when God speaks to them about heaven, speaks to them about their sin, speaks to them about their soul so that they'll get ready, so they'll be ready to die. He said, if you're often reproved and God speaks to you often, and you put it off and put it off, suddenly God, he says, will cut you off. Death will come. He reproves of sin. He speaks a, a conviction of sin that weighs down upon you and makes you conscious of the fact that you're lost. I was preaching out in a penitentiary a while back in Minnesota. They took us through the institution, and uh, as we came out, we saw the men marching single file, some 800 of them, single file, arms folded. That was the rule in that penitentiary. And they came out a door and marked right, and I saw a long groove. It looked like a drain to me. And I said to the guy, what's that for? The drain? Oh, no, no. He said, that's where the man marched. A few moments, the door swung open and out the man come, marching along like this, right in the groove. When that cement floor was put in there, it was perfectly smooth and level and flat. And yet the gradual wearing, wearing three, six times a day, back and forth to their meals, wore the groove, their shoes, right in the cement. You know, my friend, when, you're, when you came into this world, your life was clean and spotless and without sin. You'll grant that. 
But gradual through the gears they piled up and wore a groove till some of you have grooves and stains of sin and marks of sin in your life you wouldn't want the person next to you to know about. That's true. And God says, He that being often reproved and hardened of his neck in rebellion against God someday will be cut off. He reproves of sin. He reproves of the Savior. He speaks to his person of their need. He hears the story that Christ died for our sins and then they rebel and God cuts them off. That happens. I was speaking in California at the Pacific Food Express. We had some services out there. One day we were there, one fellow came up in the course of the meetings in the shop there and he said, ah, get away with your old religious stuff. I don't go for that stuff. I had that pumped down my throat when I was a kid and he swore and blasphemed and went off in the crowd. Next Thursday when we came out for those meetings, he wasn't there. He wasn't even in the hospital. He was dead. God cut him off. You say, an accident? All right, go ahead. But you can't play around with God. You can't fool with him. He says, he that being often reproved shall suddenly be cut off and that with no way of escape. None at all. My friend, you've been hearing the story of salvation. God's been knocking at your heart's door. He's been knocking for admission. The Lord Jesus has been wanting in. You've been putting him off. Look out, lest he cut you off. He reproves of the awfulness of judgment and hell that's ahead for every man and woman that breathes. After this, God says the judgment. One man said, oh, I've got lots of money. Jesus told about it. Oh, I'm all right. I'll, I'm just going to build bigger barns. I'm just going to lay up a nest egg here. I'm going to be okay. I'll be all set and I'll say unto my soul, take it easy. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry. What, why worry? I, we're all... And God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be? Yes, there are many of you who have been building bigger barns. You've been putting things away and you're getting ready for the rainy day and someday God's going to cut you off. And you'll leave your money for your kids to fight over and you'll be left with a soul that's lost and sent into the caverns of hell. Ready to die. You ready? The atomic bombs were to come tonight. Russia should let loose. Would you be ready? You know where you're bound? That's the big thing. I said that a while back in a meeting up in New York and some people sat there indifferent. One young lady, 19 years of age, the best athlete in town, strong, beautiful. She walked out without the Savior. Yeah. I said, who knows what you may be next. And that next Saturday morning, that was Friday night, Saturday morning, that young woman was dead. She took sick, fell over, died. Suddenly, sure, she had her chance to trust the Son of God. It's dangerous to play with these sacred things. And my friend, we come to you tonight and we have nothing to sell you. But we've got a Savior that loved you and died for you, and he's caused you to look in tonight that you might be ready to die. Are you ready? If you're not, then get ready right now. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. As our heads are bowed are all closed. I wonder how many of you right there now by your television sets would like to say, Mr. Crawford, I know I'm a sinner. God has spoken to me about that. And I want to trust this Savior you're telling about. And right now, I'll kneel by my television set and receive him, as many hundreds are doing. You do it and write me to box one. I'd love to hear of it. Our Father, bless these. May there be a great many tonight throughout the nation turn to Jesus Christ and find in him a wonderful Savior who can save and satisfy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
You've been listening to Percy Crawford and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.